lovelies, welcome to episode number 51 of the journey of self-love through self-care. My name is Amy Mercado and I'm the owner and the creator of my brand, The Mercado Method, where I teach a variety of online fitness classes and yogas, breathworks, fascia release and a lot more. I will pop my details below. Today's guest is can't even begin to comprehend how excited I am to have Hannah Jade on with me. Me and Hannah knew each other before we was even in this actual physical world. We would have known each other, well, I would have met Hannah in the womb. And we've been, I guess we grew up together until about 10 years ago, we sort of had about a decade apart and we've now reconnected. And since then, Hannah has been busy becoming a mum, a wife. Hannah's now a breathwork facilitator for the, over five years. She's been teaching yoga for about eight years or more. And the reason I wanted to invite Hannah on today is first of all, I just wanted to have a really good chinwag with her about her journey because I still haven't quite heard the full extent of everything. And her knowledge and her wisdom and everything that I've reconnected with has just opened my heart and just really touched my soul on so many levels. So, Han, do you wanna sort of introduce yourself a little bit? And I guess before we sort of, I wouldn't say separated, before we sort of lost touch for the last 10 years, you was a very, I guess we're both very different people. Mm. And I'm just really curious about what began your sort of change in your journey to where you're at today and yeah, just handing it over to you and just share whatever you feel called to share. Oh, Aim, it's so good to be here. <laughs> my heart is just, yeah, I'm feeling butterflies in my heart and this feels really powerful to be doing this exchange and especially that it being recorded and put out there. Maybe there's something very ceremonial about this coming together today and exchanging in this way. And at the same time, I'm grateful that you're holding space for this because like you said, I've just had a baby and it is monumental. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's that to me, it's been the biggest awakening that I've had. And it does, it, it literally changes your brain, um, which, yeah, we can talk about a little bit more in detail as we go further up the timeline, but um yeah so 10 years oh my god <laughs> I think we've both always since I can remember we've both always been really sensitive creatures together and I think that one of the powerful reasons one of one of the powerful so I'm going to stutter a lot in this you've got to bear with me one of the most powerful feelings that I have about our coming together again is the fact that I have such incredible memories as a child with you I felt like we really understood each other and you had this um, amazing ability with animals and art and seeing the world in this way and I just adored being around that there was it was my language also and only now that I'm older and I can look back at that I can understand oh my god like yeah we were these sensitive little creatures and we kind of 
did know already, but it took us both a while to sort of come back to that remembering. And I think that's how I look at it. Like I used to think that um, we awakened to something, but I came to learn on my journey that actually we're just remembering we're just remembering and we go through our teenage lives, you know, having the nature battered out of us, you know, and we're socialized and we have all of these things imprinted onto us, you know, how, how we should be as young girls and how we should be as, you know, in society and act and da, 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 and all these conditionings have been passed down, even in our, you know, from, our teachers, our families, um, even in our blood. And then we get to that point where we just remember that this, this isn't the way. There's, there's, there's a more simpler way, a more beautiful way, a, more, a way that's more harmonious and more in alignment with, it's just peaceful, it's the peaceful way. And I think, in fact, I know for myself, I got to a place in my life where I was just suffering so hard, suffering, suffering, suffering. And I was on, um, actually, I kind of stopped the antidepressants, but I was on antidepressants. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I actually stopped them myself. I threw them in the bin and wrote this incredible poem that I, I looked back on. I think it's a year ago, I've still got my diaries. Um, a year ago, wow, that's profound. But um, yeah, so I just kind of threw the pills in the bin and was like, I don't need these. What? How can this give me happiness? And I was about 17, I was 17. So I think we kind of did, we did know each other at that point. Um, so I think, yeah, these, these state, these, this process of remembering has been happening for a while now. And it's, yeah, just reached the threshold of my own suffering. And I realize that I'm most happiest. I am most peaceful. I feel most harmonious and in alignment and thoughtless and heart-centered when I'm surrounded by nature, when I'm in my own nature. So it's almost been like, a, um, I've just been trying to find my way back into, into my own nature and into being at one with nature. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been a process of remembering and it's been a process of rewilding. I also like to see it in that way. I think a lot of my suffering in particular that I experienced came from the, the domestication, the socialization, the constructs that were put onto me as a wild child who knew, who was sensitive and then all these years I've just been trying to kind of remove all of these concepts and just you know sit back and just observe what does nature do oh, okay that's the answer 
um, yeah, so, so that led me on to studying naturopathic medicine and nutrition because I was no longer, I was, I, I knew there was something wrong with the pharmaceutical industry and the fact that every time I kept going to the doctor with these kind of phantom symptoms and things like that, they would just kept giving me pills and things. And I was seeing it in my environment as well. And, you know, my community and people around me. And I just knew in, intrinsically that there was something wrong with that. So I enrolled onto this course while, well, yeah, while I was actually working full time in London. And I was managing, we need to catch up about this as well, I was managing an office, a TV production in an actor's agency. And I was just doing, yeah, hey, <laughs> God knows how a dyslexic little bunny did that, but I did. Um, and yeah, I decided I finally had the money, you know, I finally had the money to make my own choices and make my own decisions. And I was like, I don't want to be this is no this is what I want to be doing with my life I want to be moving towards nature and that was my first step was understanding food and understanding nutrition and understanding holistic health and um and it was a it was a time of great resilience for me and strength because um I pretty much funded my whole course and I worked five days a week and then on the weekends I just studied and what I was remembering was just how strong I was, just how, um, who I was, what I loved, what I was drawn to and at that time in my life a lot of the old was dying away and had very little interest for anything or anyone where, you know, that wasn't um, um, remembering this, th these ways, these ways of being, this ancient wisdom. And so a, a lot of old friendships fell away. Um, and I began to heal very, very deeply. And it was a very silent time in my life. I took myself away and just, stuck my head in the books and just experimented and studied and learned to cook properly, learned to soak, learned to sprout, learned to um, ferment. And um, yeah, but then I got to a point in that journey where I realized that sitting in these classrooms wasn't enough for me. And it was probably bringing up a lot of that childhood trauma of being a sensitive kid and, you know, being stuck in a classroom and, you know, working with that logical part of my brain. There was another part of my brain that was just screaming to be heard. And there was, I had to also suppress a lot of... Um, my heart centered feelings in order to be able to like, <sighs> go deep into the logic of 
studying biomedicine, being someone who is dyslexic and dyspraxic and ADHD. Did that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so there was, I think it was halfway through year two. And there was this new energy awakening within me and a lot more questions. And I was journaling a lot and I kept writing about energy and I kept writing about, um, you know, the spirit world and, you know, what if plants had spirits? What if plants had, um, what if trees had, you know, wisdom to tell us? And so I was kind of just waking up and going beyond um, what the course was, was able to offer. And someone gave me a book out of nowhere Someone gave me a book out of nowhere, um, and I think it was called The um, Cosmic Serpent. And I was drawn to it. I was drawn to the image on the front, and this person said to me, I saw this book and I thought um, you would like it. And anyway, I, I saw her last year for the first time since she gave me that book. And I said to her, thank you so much. And she's, I said to her, have you sat with ayahuasca yet? She said, oh, no, no, no. I just saw the book and thought you should read it. But no, no, that's not for me. And I was like, damn, that's interesting. How you work, <laughs> how the universe works through people. So anyway, it's a mystery. She gave me this book and it happened to be about the ancient ways of ayahuasca. And I literally could not put, put this book down. I didn't want to read anything else at that time. And I just went on the internet and I just Googled and I was like, oh my God, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember all of this. Um, and I said to myself that once I complete the course, I will get on a flight and I'm going to Peru and I'm going to meet Mother Ayahuasca and sit with the Kirinderos and go through this process. I knew it was for me while I was reading this book. But um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I was dating a guy at the time and he, dis he lost his job. He became, he lost his job and he decided that he was going to leave England, London and go travel South America and I was completely heartbroken and it just yeah it shattered my world because he was really it wasn't a serious relationship but I I was I lent I was really leaning into him towards the end of my course and it was a sense of support and comfort. And then all of a sudden he was like, I'm just going. And um, I was like, I've got to stay here and, and, and finish this course. And there was a lot of heartbreak and I fell very, very ill all of a sudden. And I got a kidney infection and then I had a complete nervous breakdown, complete nervous breakdown. Um, I'm not surprised now when I look back at it, I was working like five days a week and then 
on the weekends I was studying and going into college. And I was literally on four or five cups of coffee a day, studying, became very addicted to coffee and very addicted to anything that would, you know, get my brain to focus and absorb information and da, da, da. it was my it was a strategy you know for someone who was dyslexic and I'll see that now it's a strategy to to get get me through well wow, I'm really leaning into this part quite a bit it's quite interesting um anyway so he left and I was absolutely like my world was just shattered and um it I took some time off work and um then I had a friend from college who texted me saying I don't know if you know about this but there is a ayahuasca ceremony happening in Norfolk next month on the spring solstice me and my boyfriend are going do you want to come and I was like yes <laughs> don't even think I second guessed it and um, so, yeah, I signed up and I did a, um, I think what they called it was like an Equinox retreat. So we did two sessions and we were given a dieter to follow. And a part of me was almost grieving that I was, that I was not strong enough to wait to do it in Peru. But I, I was in a place of deep vulnerability and I was looking and I was looking for answers now and questions and um, was ready, I think, for that energetic opening or some sort of healing. And or I guess I could say that part of me that I was suppressing for a long time to kind of um, get through this, um, this through this education. Um, because of the heartbreak, it came through and there, there was just, yeah, there was no, no chance of suppressing it. So that was, yeah, so I did my first retreat in 2013, 2013. And it was profoundly, amazingly intense. And um, I just remember walking into the room and seeing people in the room and thinking, I recognize every single person in this room. I recognize this room. And I hadn't, I hadn't really understood the nature of synchronicity and you know, all of that was coming to me. But I just remember walking in that room, just going, whoa, like I know everyone here. And, um, we had little name tags um, and I sort of sat down and um, happened to be sitting next to someone who's still a really good friend of mine today. Um, so yeah, I'll just, I'll just round this bit up because yeah, there's, there's probably quite a lot to, to say, but um, so the first night was for me, um, it was very etheric. It took me out of my body and 
went into the cosmos and there was a lot of this remembering process happening and I remember observing my mind and yeah just observing my mind and seeing um yeah just remembering going I remember this I remember this I remember this that's pretty much what the whole ceremony was about the second day they gave us um a bigger cup bigger serving and um that was a very more embodied process where the medicine really worked her way through all of my cells and my dna and i think she was kind of the first session she was allowing me to she was giving me the space to trust her so that this session she could I was open enough for her to actually be able to penetrate the layers of my energy field and to get into, you know, as deep into the memory of my DNA. And it was an unraveling process. I remember just, you know, my hips, my whole body was just shaking and just discharging. And, um, and um, yeah, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but that this was the very beginning of, understanding the cosmology within the nature the spirit in the nature the sensitivity of nature and our place as a human race within it and our responsibility and for me that was my awakening you know oh my god you know I woke up to realizing my own responsibility as a human being living on planet earth and I decided that how I was going to live my life now it had to be it, it absolutely had to be dedicated to serving the earth and a process of um this healing process, it's not her process, this, this healing process um, of, of, of all of humanity waking up to this um, remembrance. And um, so I actually left the course before completing, I had one more exam, I kick myself for it now, but I think um, the awakening was so strong so strong I just couldn't look back I trust it I trust it was the right thing to do um I'd completed all my case studies and things like that but it was just I was at a point where I was just like I don't need a piece of paper <laughs> I don't we don't we don't need pieces of paper not really um so yeah I do trust that but um I feel like I I got everything that I needed from that time and I hopped on an aeroplane and I packed up my life, left my job, hopped on an aeroplane and the first place I started was Australia. And, um, and then in Australia, I decided I wanted to practice and study yoga and meditation in India. So then I went to India and um, yes, yeah, so I did my first 200 hours in Rishikesh. It was in the winter. It's 
freezing cold. There was only three of us on the course, which was actually really nice. And we had some really great teachers. And yeah, I was able to kind of just really drop into the training and receive some of those teachings from, you know, a very, very ancient lineage. And yeah, it was again an, an, a time of realizing my strength and realizing more and more how I want to serve. And yeah, I was very lucky. I got to stay um, in an ashram that was, I had, we ha I had my own bedroom because there was only um, three of us who were enrolled in the winter course, which was yeah, really nice. And I had my own little like um, bedroom that looked out onto the Ganges, by the Ganges. And um, she was a source of my meditation for seven weeks that I was there in Rishikesh. And um, in between classes and um, Ayurvedic lectures, I'd just sit on the balcony and just observe a flow. And I received so much from that simple teaching of just watching a flowing river. And my heart cracked open even more, cracked open even more. And I realized the importance of ritual and ceremony. And I stepped out onto the Ganges and there were these beautiful, I mean, beautiful um, children that sell these little flowers um, and in, in these leaves, I can't remember what, what leaf they were, but um, with a candle and um, you buy them to, to do arti, to do prayer and ceremony. Um, and then you light it and you put it on the river and you watch it go down. And um, Yeah, it was about then that I realized how, how we, how the energy of honoring and ritual has such an important part to play in healing the creatrix as we spoke about last time when I walk you've got the matrix and then the creatrix so I was actually starting like after that first initial ayahuasca ceremony I could see this stuff I could see the field of the creatrix and I could see the difference between the living versus against the non-living Yeah, so it's a series of remembering and awakening. And so I became very interested in that process and um, of ceremony and ritual and, and would try to embrace it as much as I could in my own life, especially around the moon times. And intrinsically, I noticed there was an incredible healing happening within my womb and within my own feminine body as I was honoring the earth more and more in this way, 
my body, my physical body was responding. And I was having this, for the first time in my life, an actual relationship with my heart, with my womb, with my breath, with my intention, with my creation, with um, I think it was at that period in my life where things really started to open up and I just really dropped into the seat of the feminine flow and energy, the feminine current. And um, I let it take me, I let it wash me away and take me and trusted it. And it brought me back to, brought me up to Nepal where I studied where I sat my third Vipassana. We've jumped a bit, but I, I sat my third 10-day Vipassana, um, which is a has been a huge resource for me in my life and continues to be um, a very grounding philosophy for me. For someone who's very sensitive, Vipassana was my medicine in the end after all of this. Um, so I went up to Nepal and there was um, a friend who I'd met in Australia who said there was going to be an earthquake. She was a very psychic, psychic lady and she said that I needed to be very careful and um, but I needed to be back in Australia anyway. At the time I was very much like still quite young working with these cities and you know and I, I did lean into a lot of elders and, and their wisdom and thing but it turned out she was right there was an earthquake that was the one in 2014 and um, I was 24 hours ahead so I was on the flight when the storm came in on my way to Australia and I had a friend who was actually caught up in it and um, he he wasn't hurt I was supposed to go on a, a hike, a trek with him. Um, he wasn't hurt, but um, yeah, he ended up actually helping a lot of the, the people clear up the rubble and stuff like that. So I just trust that wasn't a part of my, my journey. But yeah, so I was on the way back to Australia and um, realised that this was going to be home for the next two years. And I met my soul family. And... Um, Wow, gosh, aim. I could go on and on and on and on. Um, I don't mean it like that, but yeah, I could, <laughs> could go very deep into this next part. There was a lot of connection to, uh, there was a lot of communication with um, the star beings at that time. I was fasting a lot. I was doing a lot of water fasting, exploring things like that and working with plant spirits and ritual. And um, I was very open, very, very open. And I was downloading a lot. And it was a very intense period in my life, but there was a lot of synchronicity and I was trusting it. And I received a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom. It's important to share here. I guess there's many dimensions that we can always tap into when we're sharing 
the stories and memories of our life. And I think the trajectory that brought me here to where I am today and my pregnancy process and, and giving birth and everything like that, um, and meeting Indra as well, I'm going to work with that trajectory. Um, so I, mean, I was in Australia and um, I was teaching yoga and I was started to explore breath work there and um, different plant medicines and things like that and fasting and just, yeah, I was being really guided by my body to cleanse, 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 reset and let go and just, yeah, rebirth, re give birth to myself again, like shedding my skin. And um, I came across this teacher, Jane Hardwick Collins, and she was running these courses in Australia called the Four Seasons Journey, Shamanic Midwifery. And I heard those two words, shamanic midwifery. Oh my God, don't care what it's about, I'm going. <laughs> and um, I signed up and it turned out to be one of the most incredible times of my life. There was 33 other women who enrolled and we dived deep into feminine wisdom and the feminine Gnostics that have been covered up time through time. And we learned how to, um, gosh, we learned a lot, we learned a lot. There was many women on that course who had children, some uh, two were pregnant, two had babes in arms. And it was at that time where I spent a year with these 33 women that I grew really close to my own yearning to become a mother and heal my own relationship with my own mother and to be my own mother. And we had to go through some a lot of deep work you know jane is a tough cookie and we did some intense ceremonies and we um we made medicine drums in 40 degree heat and um we had to discover our own birth story and our, how our own creative how we were born into the world has imprinted on our creative process. And then we observed that through making of the drum, um, just magical shit happened. <laughs> Stuff that, you know, those who know, know. Um, the strings of my drum would get tangled and I was getting sunburned and everyone finished before me. And that really reflected my being, my, my birth process, being born into the world. I was born with a cord wrapped around my neck. Um, I, I intrinsically felt that as I was being born, there was a lot of 
confusion and trauma and suffering and that was my first imprint with um my actual physical body feeling trauma it was like I was being born into the world but something was holding me back yeah you see me touching my throat um and to this day I'm still working with the layers of how much that first earthly experience has imprinted on my DNA you know I, I if you, you I'm I know you understand epigenetics you know what genes were switched on in that process and what genes were not switched on obviously the survival genes were switched on um genes that um maybe it's not safe to breathe you know or you can't breathe yet um just trying to remember this process all this the insights that came up for me um yeah so it was a lot around breath my throat and um so yeah anyway jane, jane was a, a hard cookie so that was one of many ceremonies and it was it, it blasted me open again to to really looking at um well, it blasted me open into, into the portal of trauma and how it's held in our body-mind complex and um, that I it was time that I really dropped into that and welcomed it and looked at it and felt it and let it express through me. And um, so, yeah, so that was the trajectory of the next um, couple of years was just really getting in the nitty-gritty and embracing that suffering that I felt within me and trying to understand it and trying to not understand it as well because you can also get really obsessed with trying to understand it um just letting it be and um at the end of this four seasons journey with Jane we did a 10-day vision quest and all 33 women we went up um up to the top of a mountain down uh near i think it was like maybe two hours outside melbourne so the climate was quite cold um very harsh ecosystem so it wasn't tropical and warm you know and <laughs> it was really really harsh ecosystem and um the drive up the mountain was about an hour and a half i had all my gear with me ready, backpack, survival things like torches, matches. You know, we really had to prepare for this for this ceremony, this last piece. And um, so we spent four of those ten days in on a on a solo, what they call in solo. So we had to set up our own camp and fast so just drink water and um it wasn't it was monumental it was it was profound it brought me very close it brought me even closer to the wildness within me 
and to, to and to be able to sense that there wasn't this separation. There was a lot of time just sit and stare. No mobile phones, nothing, no distraction, no people. And I'd just find myself just sitting and staring at the little bugs on the ground, the spiders, which I knew were poisonous. Um, making friends with the spiders, you know. I mean, you go very deep in this process. I, I made a little fire and the fire would draw in, um, I think they're called black widows. I'm trying to remember what they were called. They, would draw, they loved the temperature and they'd draw them in. And at first I was like, kind of fire, oh my God, you know, I'd panic. And I was like, wait, these are my friends. These are my, this is, this is, these are my friends for these four days. Let's, let's welcome them. And as soon as I made peace with that, we could be together. There was no fear. They were not afraid of me. I was not afraid of them. I made them fire. They enjoyed the light. They enjoyed the fire. I enjoyed their teaching, their company. It was this type of insight that was coming through during those four days. Oh, so much to share about that. Um, it's one thing I do want to share with you. On the fourth day, there was um, an enormous, enormous storm. And it was in the middle of the night and it sounded like trains, like, like bullet trains. I think, I think they said the winds were like 80 mile an hour winds after, like coming through the trees. I was hearing trees collapse. Um, and I had to hold up my tent with my arms and my legs. And I never felt so much fear for my life, ever. I tasted what it was like for my whole body to just, like I was convulsing in fear. I could hear the trees coming down. I could, um, the wind was hitting my tent. Like it was, the plugs weren't even, you know, the the, they weren't even in the tent anymore. And I had to make the decision, like, do I, do I try and go back to camp? I know that I'm at least an hour away. Like, do I, you know, I was like, no, it's, this is, this is it. This is it. And I actually made peace that if the tree was to fall on my head and I was to die, then this was it. I embraced death. I'm remembering now that as soon as I embraced that, I really, I calmed down. I remember just lying there and the wind just, just moving through me. I can't fathom what that process taught my body. 
but my mind had to die in order for that wind to, to, to move through me. The next day, the storm cleared and I knew that I came to the vision quest with a question and that was what next? Um, do I go back to England or do I try and get a visa here in Australia? Do I go to Peru and um, go a bit deeper working with ayahuasca and San Pedro? And I got a very, very clear message. And it was a hard message, but it was very clear. And it was, go home, go back to England. And it was hard. And I remember crying. And I remember because I'd fallen in love with the land in Australia. I'd fallen in love with the ecosystems and the wisdom and just how ancient some of the plants were and how pristine and alive and I'd fallen in love with the indigenous ways and the teachings that you know that you're surrounded by if you really open yourself up to it when you go walkabouts in Australia I grieved I really grieved when that dropped in for me and but I knew I knew it was it was just clear it was clear and I was asked to I was told that I really needed to work on my nervous system and I needed to train in breath work and at the time I don't think people were connecting nervous system and breath work it was more about how high you can get and you know touch the spirit world and have all these kind of you know experiences there wasn't really this the conversations yet around um vagal tone and nervous system and trauma and so i came back to the uk which was a really beautiful time because that's when danny had his first baba and my brother had his first baby jacob and um that was just wonderful because I'd become so accustomed to being around children and the mothering ways and it was so beautiful to welcome a child from my own family and I know you know that with Lance I can see it in your face and um that feeling of like wow this is this is not my own because they don't belong to us but it, there's just something special about that of receiving them and, um that really you know seeing Jacob really you know made my own womb switch on and you know think think about the possibility now of meeting someone and um, grounding down in that way so yeah I came home and I found a course in Devon and 
it was just a very general course. I was just really drawn to the teachers. It was in the countryside. I wanted to spend more time in Devon and by the sea when I came back to the UK. And actually it was just, I was kind of the youngest person there. Quite a lot of um, oldies there, you know, doing their, their breath work that they've been doing since Leonard Orr had started breath work and, um, they would put a little picture of Babaji up on the altar and very the traditional style rebirthing. They welcomed me in and um, so I went back, just kept going back and enjoying the retreats there. And um, But I realised there was something missing. So then I found transformational breath which is a, um, an American breathwork modality, which started in probably the late 80s, 90s, by a lady called Judith Kradovitz. And this was like, wow, this is freaking awesome. Like um, she had incorporated a lot of um, um, body mapping um, so like, you know, working with affirmation and different body parts. So when you're activated in the breath, that um, there was different, you, you could apply breath work therapeutically. Um, so that was like a game changer. And um, I started to understand just the, the thematic intelligence of the body and how, yeah, as I was saying, how you can apply breath work in, in a therapeutic way and really kind of hone in and work with someone on a one-to-one -one level, listening to their story, understanding how the charge works through the body, how their body is uniquely discharging this energy, um, giving space for the body to express and working with touch how important that intimacy is when someone is processing trauma. Um, and then I finished transformational breath work and I realized something else is missing. <laughs> and um, I found, um, yeah, so I, I just basically aim, I just, again, got to a point where I realized there was something missing. And that's when I found Gitan's work, um, his body of work is just profound and he um he offers a facilitator's course in it which he calls um biodynamic breath and trauma release so he actually um works with releasing fascia in the body as a way to process stored trauma and working with the nervous system and there was just um yeah, we did a couple of retreats and that was probably the deepest, deepest work I'd done with the trauma. And what could, what did I take away from it? I guess is that, you know, we don't need to go into the mind to unravel the past. The mind is just a series of a collection of memories um, that depending where we are in this moment, we can fabricate to make ourselves feel comfortable. You know, we can, we basically, we're constantly fabricating our memory. It's never entirely true. And the trauma is 
I mean, that in itself is trauma, the fact that we do that. Um, and I think Vipassana for me was what delivered me to that point to be able to have that insight to go, wow, like, is this even true? Like, why am I attaching to this? Um, so I was, I now had a lot of distance between my thoughts and the memories that would come up. And I was able to actually really allow my body to feel and process and um, allow these charges and these actual uh, memories within my body to come up and out. And um, so, yeah, I completed that training and then I began facilitating biodynamic breathwork. Um, I dropped facilitating transformational breath and rebirth and I just thought, this is it, this is kind of where I've been moving towards and um, it's just to sum it up. And yeah, then I spent, I think maybe three, four, where are we now? Cause then I moved to East Coast. We spent four years in London where I was teaching in a couple of different yoga studios and I actually dropped teaching yoga and started just teaching breath work in classes with um, some yin and um, and at the time it was quite controversial um, but I just it felt real it felt right and um, and I started teaching in um, in Darba at Me Mind Lodge Space some nice uh, well-known yoga studios and that just brought in a lot of work and a lot of clients and I'm so honored that they, every time I was always so honored that they trusted me because with this work, as you know, like you never come to this fixed point of knowing it all. And if you have, then you need to go back. You need to just go back and reset because there's never, there's not a fixed point of knowing it all. And it always felt like an honor when someone walked into the, the space that I created for this process, to, um, to, for this process for them to go through this unraveling and 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 inquiry, and um, because it 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 kept teaching me, it kept teaching me, um, and I've never stopped not learning. Um, so I guess all of this. All of this brought me to the altar of giving birth to Surya without drugs, without painkillers. Everything I've just shared. And that was so important to me because of the trauma that I'd seen within myself, my own birth, and the trauma that I'd seen within the women around me and the processes that I was holding for people it was so important for me to make sure that the space that Surya came into was held tightly, was sacred, was drug-free, was natural, was just him and me and the intelligence of physiological birth, was the intelligence of woman and the feminine anatomy, you know? We were, we're built to give birth, you know? Um, so 
I believe I really had to go into the fear of pain. So yeah, so, uh, so again, like it was like, in order to, at the altar of Surya's birth, it stops why is it stopped stop flowing that's so interesting maybe this story is not ready to be told yet that is really interesting to me mm. give me the calls it's okay that people can hear this mm. My mind goes blank. This keeps happening. At the altar of Surya's birth, I realized that everything I'd gone through, all the initiations, all the ceremonial work, all of the ritual, all of the plant medicines, the process work, was bringing me to this point to be able to look pain in the eyes and fear in the eyes and realize that it was serving me that's what i wanted to say <laughs> it's taken a while for that to integrate for me to that the pain and the contractions were serving my consciousness and were serving this process And I'm not going to lie to, to any woman who hasn't had a baby yet. You know, it's not pretty. It's wild. It's messy. It's, um, it's ecstatic. It's painful. But there, if you allow that to move through you rather than attach, contracting and attaching to it, there's a deep, deep softening that happens within every single atom of your body. And that softening is really this intelligence of this, what I was saying at the beginning, this the cosmic in the nature. And yeah, I'm still integrating this one. I'm still integrating this one. It's it it's again it like I said at the beginning, it was monumental. Um yeah. I'd love to talk more actually just about the pregnancy process and the birth. Um yeah. So that's it, Aim. That's the process of remembering, and that's just one like I guess trajectory that that brought me to giving birth and um becoming a mother and the creativity of that that brought me here and the joy of it and the lessons and yeah wow <laughs>
Thank you for sharing, first of all. That was, yeah, we, we, we met up, I think it was last week, wasn't it? And yeah. we shared quite a lot of stuff and we didn't really touch on any of this. So I was aware that it was going to be a super interesting journey. A, a few questions that have popped up for me while you were speaking were, you mentioned about once you sort of, sort of done ayahuasca like your connection to your body mm. change so how would you say i'm just conscious of the time i've got about 20 minutes at the moment okay. and um not that, that matters however how would you say like before you sort of began this kind of journey with your relationship with yourself and your body was prior to having these experiences it's a really nice question because I think it's actually a really important one I was very disconnected to my body in the beginning um before all of this because I guess like most young girls we didn't really have good role models we were always told to give our body away we were always told that, you know, our bodies were worthless. Um, we weren't shown how to eat correctly, how to nourish it correctly. I probably didn't even know I had a body, you know, just absolutely. I was just walking around as a disembodied being. And as a result, there was no love there for it. So I treated it with so much disrespect. So much disrespect that. I'm still paying for the karma of that today. You know, the things that I put my body through, such as um, taking drugs, drinking loads of alcohol, um, pushing my body to extremes when it didn't want to go to those extremes, um, giving my body away to a man that I didn't want it to be given away to, but I didn't have, know any different. So, I think, so once moving over the threshold of working with these intelligent um, energies, I realized that the body is a temple and it's actually a vehicle towards consciousness. And that even, even in the religions, you know, we're always told that enlightenment is up and outside of the body that the body is this dirty thing you know and we need to get rid of our body in order to you know um receive enlightenment and insight and it's a very masculine um approach and you can that's how you can see all the patriarchy just um itched into religion and 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 you know we're as young women we're brought up in that kind of world, this is the messages that we receive. So over the threshold, um, I realized that there is, it's not about going up and out to, to get out of the suffering. The only way out is through and we, our body is our temple. It, so I guess I just learned to honor it and through honoring it and through listening to her 
and through nourishing her and um, and through getting to know her through this new lens and through allowing her to blossom and flourish as if she was a flower in the nature. I realized that embodiment of the soul is a beautiful path and one that I choose for this lifetime. Got a bit loose there, but um, yeah, so on the other side of the threshold, and yeah, one thing I wanted to say was there was a lot of talk about loving the self, but for some reason that never resonated with me. Um, I felt that in order to actually love myself, I needed to respect myself and honor myself. And to me, that in reflection would birth love. So I had to change the I had to change the way I did things first. Um, yeah, and that was just just a process. I'm still in that process. I'm still learning how to say no. I'm still learning how to offer my body honoring, deeper listening even deeper listening every day. I need to listen a little bit more deeper, a little bit more deeper. Yeah. That, can't even put into words how that touched my soul. So thank you for sharing. That should make me feel really emotional. And, yeah, the self-respect and that's where a lot of forgiveness has been coming in for me. Mm. When I began this journey, it was like forgiveness for all the past mistakes I'd made to others and past mistakes that I'd made in, or missed opportunities. And the realization that really hit me yesterday, if anything, it really hit me yesterday. Mm. And I was doing fascia release and rolling out and taking this time and I was like, you really need to forgive yourself for how you've not even noticed your body, not even mm. acknowledged. There's been times when I know I'm pushing through things and harming myself through movement or taking drugs and alcohol and taking the piss. Mm. And hearing you say that and put that into such a beautiful context was just like, yeah, that's how I really, like even today I was doing something and I was laying there and I was like, I feel cold. So rather than ignoring it, I'm going to go put something warmer on. Mm. Or I'm about to run around and do something, but I need a wee. So simple. I'm going yeah. to stop and go to the toilet. Like, yeah. That's okay. It's like, yeah. It's been amazing to sort of connect to the body. And I'm so grateful for you sharing as well. My other question, or just, just point I had to bring up was, I haven't done ayahuasca myself. I was looking to do it at a time when I felt very lost in a deep grief state. And actually it was breath work that came into my world that allowed me to move into this journey. Mm. And 
the thought of actually going to do ayahuasca was like in my mind you might go and die mm. the fact that you then said you know you sort of went and did this this ceremony and then you're up in this mountain with 80 <laughs> 80 miles per hour and that's when you thought i might die like <laughs> to me that was like hold on a minute what was the thought process when you went to do you just like yeah i'm gonna go do ayahuasca but i'm actually might die here and actually this is a bit scary like for me that blew my mind <laughs> like flipping hell <laughs> do you know and the the reason i didn't end up doing ayahuasca it just didn't end up aligning and like I said, breathwork came along and then like mushroom plant, like mushrooms came along for me and that I had like some big journeys on that. And I feel like maybe in a year or two, I might be ready to sort of do this, this experience. But what was it like, like mentally and how did your body feel when you was going to do the ayahuasca and how, like you said, like your body was trembling when you was up there in, in the, in the tent and how was your body responding when you was going to do this, this, this initial experience of ayahuasca I remember right journaling before going to that first ayahuasca ceremony which it was one in eight that I'd done mm. and I remember journaling and I said to myself I I'd reached I could reach levels of depression in my life that were quite when I look back at it now there were they're quite severe and I would always say you know if I was to die today I wouldn't I wouldn't call take me you know I, I felt suffering so deeply I couldn't deal with my suffering I had no um there was nothing around me that showed me how to deal with my suffering and there was no one who was actually able to witness it for me as a child so I came to a place where death felt like the only way out and I would journal a lot about death so I think yeah so I remember before I went into that ceremony I was like I'm at a place where I feel like it's life or death for me right now like I need something just to show me that there is magic out there because I'm hurting so bad is this it is this life is this what we we're just born here and we consume and consume and then we die and then that's it surely there's more to life I have these burning questions arising in me and um so I think I think the fact that I'd felt into my own death countless of times in my childhood it it wasn't something that was hanging over my shoulders I understand now that um, through studying Jungian analysis over the years, the death represents the really when we're fear of, afraid of death, we're actually afraid of like aspects of our ego dying. Um, I was I wasn't afraid of that. I welcomed that. I wanted my ego to die because I I sensed that's where my suffering was. I didn't want to be this domesticated creature. I wanted to get to know my wildness. I wanted that reset. I wanted to let go of the past and the conditioning. I wanted to flow. So I welcomed it. It wasn't scary. And then, yeah, and then I guess being, I think, 
I heard that in your question and then you related it to the top of the mountain. Um, again, that was just more real for me when that happened because I think when it's a psychedelic experience, it can all be very etheric and out there. You can't touch it, it's not tangible, you know. But when you're actually in the wilderness, you're surrounded by poison spiders, shit that can, you know, proper fuck you up, like <laughs> poisons and shit. Trust me, I was bitten by an ant, that hurts. Um, had an anaphylactic shock as well, but not on that trip, on, on another solo camping thing. Um, yeah, like that, that was a real sensation of, I'm gonna die because it was in the wilderness. And it was probably, again, if I look at it through the lens of Jungian analysis, something that we all hold in, we all, we've all rejected and it lays there in the subconscious part of our reptilian brain, you know, that the nature is something to be afraid of, you know, but nature is, um, it is chaotic, yeah, but we don't need to be afraid of the chaos of nature. And in that way, um, all of these um, uh, conditionings and um, fears that we have of nature have somehow shaped this patriarchal world. Um, so that was that was an intrinsic part in me surrendering mm. and coming up from the ashes from that experience and realizing that this and I no longer reject that that's not somewhere in in the subconscious parts of my mind it's no longer a shadow I see nature as sentient and progressive and intelligent and it might give you a bite you know ants bite and especially bullet ants with fire ants that's what they are in Australia and they hurt and you do you you know but they're teaching you a lesson there's a teaching in it um so I guess that's that's how I've seen it how I've processed it how it's come for me to answer your question yeah that's the thing like when I was looking into doing Alaska the, the pain the grief I didn't mm. I didn't care if I died I just wanted to escape the feelings gotcha. um, like as most my lot know I was on medication for a long time and the medication now wasn't stopping the feelings so I was desperate for finding something to get out of the pain um, but then to hear like actually being in a situation that's like literally life or death yeah it's really interesting and to just one question um, while we've got time, just to quickly wrap up. You speak a lot about rewilding and this is something that keeps coming into my peripheral and it's quite new for me to sort of explore um, do a lot of sensual stuff now with yoga and sort of allowing that, like the hips to open and, and that sort of space to come in. I feel like that feminine energy is coming up now and there's, for me, like exploring that and being curious with it what would you maybe recommend for people or someone like myself or women that are ready to sort of be curious about this? Like I went, when I was driving home actually last night, I stopped under the moon and just let out my voice very much. And that was quite a powerful experience. But what would your, maybe some 
just some things to sort of bring out that essence a little bit more to rewild and to not even necessarily rewild, but to help us remember that part of ourselves. Well, what makes us feminine is the fact that we have these wounds and these wombs are cosmic portals between the spirit world and the physical world. And as women, we, you know, it's such an honor to be a, gate, a gatekeeper. You know, we can choose in every moment when to bring life through or when to not bring life through. Our blood is magic. And this is what I learned from Jane doing that, um, the shamanic midwifery course. Our blood, our moon cycles are intrinsically all connected. And when we start working with our womb space and we start working with our uh, moon cycle, we start to um, connect to that feminine energy that you were speaking about. And the wisdom of the feminine is not written in books. Start, I would say, start with your womb. Start working with your moon cycles. So that's your periods. Um, start working with any pain or difficult sensations that you feel in the womb and um, you'll start to notice that your hormones will actually recalibrate once you start paying attention to that area in your body. It, it's magic. It's, it's really hard to explain the gnosis of this. And just as I was about to say before, like this wisdom is not, it's never been written about, or maybe it has but the books have been burnt or hidden or, you know. But what I, what most women come to realize when they, when they do go onto this journey, when they do enter into this journey of connecting to the feminine life force power within them, their birthright, basically, the secrets are all in our DNA and we get the insights and we realize that, again, that, the, our intuition is our gift of being feminine. And it all just comes through working with your womb, working with your periods, working with the moon, offering your blood to the earth is a really beautiful process of honoring your body and the earth, honoring your body, everything that it's gone through to create an egg, release an egg, um, decide whether as a you know, co-creator, gatekeeper, are we going to fertilize that egg? Are we going to bring life through? Okay, not. Okay, so let's honor that process. Okay, there's a blood shedding that would, would have been a potential life form, it contains nutrients, it contains everything ready, you know. So what do we do? We give it back to the earth. We nourish the earth with it. We give thanks. There's an energetic exchange in there. So yeah, I would say that's the first place to start is working with your period, honoring your blood, connecting to the cycles of the moon, 
and then just allow the insights and the intuition to drop in and a wild woman is always born from that place that's where she remembers she remembers all the women who've come before her down her red thread all her ancestry and the secrets will come up the red thread and through her into her intuition and she will realize the message that she is to spread now here on the earth at a time of life or death we that's where we are we're at a threshold on our earth where you know there could be a seventh maths mass extinction which could be homo sapiens and there is a lot of feminine energy wild feminine energy that is connected to the mother earth waking up and saying waking up and sharing her gifts in order to midwife this new paradigm into existence so that we can learn to flourish and live peacefully on the earth again and in harmony and envision these beautiful lives of children being born in a sacred way and um you know and beautiful systems that are coherent with nature and da, 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 da. so it's a bit of a long-winded answer but um yeah i would say connect into your period it's in yeah womb, the womb stuff's been coming up for me and um i've actually got a womb meditation with a friend of mine that is doing one tomorrow and I know it's the 11-11 portal tomorrow as well. So I feel like it's going to be like really potent. So I really appreciate that. And I'm going to have to wrap up now. Um, but I'd love to do this again. And I'm sure the listeners would too. And I just wanted to say thank you for making this space and sharing your incredible journey. I know there's so much. I've just scratched the surface with you. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing. And um yeah i will if you're happy i can pop your details below if people want to reach out and if they have i don't know if you have space for that or how you're feeling but we can sort of lean into that afterwards yeah you can pop my instagram on there and um and at some point i mean my offering is developing again Surya. um but yeah i'd love to stay if anyone wants to connect it'll be a pleasure and um yeah we can speak through instagram Okay, I'm going to stop this recording. So thank you, Hannah Jade. Thanks, Amy.